The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Well, one view and idea I'm sure that I do share with the station is that you all had a happy Thanksgiving. Certainly, there's been a lot of action that's happened between now and the last time I got a chance to, to speak with you. We'll try to cover as much ground as we can. Uh, bringing on our guest, our first, the breeding writer from the Daily Racing Forum, Joe Nevels will be with us. The Mayor's Bread Report is out, and there's some pretty interesting statistics in there, and I kind of want to get Joe's read on it and actually see how it's going to uh, impact the breed down the road, and uh, you'll see the angle I take when we get there. And then at the bottom of the hour, uh, Bob Railbird Roberts, an esteemed veteran of handicapping and sports writer for so many years with the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Uh, he's now covering a lot of the races over at Mahoning Valley, and there's not one but two $75,000 stakes on the card over there. So he's very familiar with all the players uh, in that area. Then, of course, what a great weekend down opening Gulfstream Park. It's the claiming crown. I'm so glad that that series has continued. Obviously, we can't get to all the races. Now, I have heard that they're supposed to experience bad weather down there, so I tried to select races that were going to be run on the main track anyhow. Uh, so we'll be looking at the uh, claiming crown jewel, which is the jewel at, at 200000 Uh Then we're going to go to the uh, claiming crown express, six furlong dash, and then a seven furlong dash in the rapid transit. Okay, that's how it sets up. Well, uh some breaking news I just found out uh, about four hours ago from my friend Lenny Shulman at the Blood Horse. And uh, I'm not sure how many of you know this, but Shared Belief passed away today after colic surgery. Uh, remember, of course, he was the champion two-year-old male of 2013. Uh, the candy ride gelding, he it just resumed training after suffering that fractured pelvis while racing in the Charlestown Classic. And he was actually back with Jerry Hollendorfer at Golden Gate Fields. Now, according to co-owner Alex Solis II, he trained well in the morning uh, today, and he before returning to his stall, he broke out in a sweat and was unresponsive to initial medical treatment. So he's quickly transferred to the University of California Davis School of Veterinary Medicine. Tests were run. He was diagnosed as having a possible rupture. They did attempt surgery, uh, but doctors could not save him. What a loss uh, to racing. It was so much looking forward to his return, uh, being a gelding. 
Uh, we were going to hopefully get to see him run for, for many years ahead, another maybe matchup with, you know, California Chrome and some of the other older horses that are in training. Uh, shared belief was bred in Kentucky by Pam and Marty Wygood, and he uh, won 10 of his 12 starts for earnings of over $2.9 million. You'll recall some of his victories included this year's Santa Anita Handicap, uh, the 2014 Pacific Classic, the 2013 Cash Call Futurity, along with a couple other grade one events, and in a must-anticipated showdown, Shared belief soundly defeated California Chrome in this year's San Antonio Invitational. Uh, Solis and his partner Jason Litt uh, purchased Shared Belief, and they brought in Kevin Nish, George Tadaro, and sports broadcasting personality Jim Rome. Uh, on his Facebook today, Rome said that uh, he had suffered a devastating loss. That shared belief was a champion, a fighter, and an unbelievable talent who impacted and changed all of our lives. He loved to compete and run, and as heartbreaking as it is today, we consider ourselves so fortunate to have been a part of this animal's life. And, of course, regular rider Mike Smith uh, had a statement of his own on his Facebook page. He said, every day I woke up looking forward to being reunited with him. I'm so thankful that I got to be a part of his life. My thoughts and prayers go out to all the connections. I know they are hurting, too. Rest in peace, champ. So shared belief, so sad. We won't get to see him go on and compete. All right, let's try to put some smiles on our faces now. Uh, again, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, and you sure did if you pulled down the easy wind forms uh, all over the country on Turkey Day uh, at, at Laurel, a 50-cent Super 5 key, paid over $12,000 at Aqueduct, a $1 try. It was the fourth race, 11800 And uh, if you had the easy wins at Aqueduct, you walked away big time, uh, and Let's see, where else did we go? We went to Del Mar, and a $1 Super paid over $10,000. And on Clark Handicap Day at Churchill, a $1 Super paid $3,480. So keep pulling down those easy win forms. be great to do it on Claiming Crown Day. Horses coming in from all over the place. So uh, talking about Churchill Downs, it's uh, time to start looking at how you get in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, it's a 35-race series that awards points to the top four finishers in each race. Now, they did give out two-year-old points. Right now, Nyquist is on top with 30. Exaggerator, 16. Brody's Cause has 14. Uh, Swipe has 12. Other ones uh, in, in the top are Aero Force, Greenpoint Crusader, Mo Heyman, impressive in the Remsen, cocked and loaded, and Riker. So uh, that'll be coming up. We've got the uh, Road to Kentucky Derby schedule is posted. You've got the Kentucky Derby prep season uh, where they don't have uh, as, as many uh, points, but it builds as it goes along. You've got the Kentucky Derby Championship Series that starts awarding points on a 50-20-10-5 basis, and uh, then, it, then it really picks up. Uh, going into the final slew of races with 140, 20, and 10 points. And again, you can go to Churchill's site and, and see that. Of course, uh, the Oaks, also a point system. Uh, Songbird leads with 30, Dothraki Queen 19, nicknamed 12, Gomo 10, and Jet 
Black Magic gets 10. So uh, the Kentucky Oaks, there's uh, 16 races in their prep season. Now, the thing is, a lot of people, you know, if Songbird just keeps on winning and winning and say, hey, you got to race against the, the boys, well, uh, in order to do that, she has to get some points. If she wants to run in the Kentucky Derby, she has to earn his way into the field by getting points against company just like that that the Colts are facing. So uh, she has to go to the road to the Kentucky Derby, not just the Oaks, if she wants to get into the Kentucky Derby. And uh, interesting bet, we're going to talk to uh, Joe Nevels about this. There's a Kentucky Derby sire future wager now. So not only can you bet on the horses, you can bet on their daddies uh, too. So uh, Mike Battaglia, who we had on uh, last week, had the uh, uh, challenging job of trying to come up with a morning line, I guess you would call it, for for the Stallions. And uh, you know, just to give you some of the some of the current odds, uh, uh, Bernardini's at thirty to one, along with Blame Candy Ride and and Curlin, uh, Escandera, Ghost Zapper, all at thirty to one. Now dropping down to twenty to one is uh, Giants Causeway, Malibu Moon, and no surprise, Pioneer of the Nile at fifteen to one, along with Tappet. I guess that would make them the favorite. All others right now, even money. So if you uh, believe that one of the top 23 stallion sons won't get it done, uh, you're even money on the mutual field. Uh, so it'll be very interesting when I talk to Joe Nevels about that. So let's take a look at some of the action that we, that we saw last week. Of course, uh, business was strong at, at Churchill. Uh, they closed out their fall week. Uh, Frankie Dettori was named world's best jockey for 2015. Uh, they do have a points basis for that. It's not just Europeans uh, betting on it. So uh, he will be recognized as a ceremony uh, at the Hong Kong International Races. They say Frankie Dettori was the, the top jock. Um, also getting credit uh, was uh, Victor Espinoza. Uh, who came in uh, behind him, tied with Ryan Moore. Uh, Mike Smith uh, got the stakes hat trick this weekend, and he got Jockey of the Week honors. So congratulations to Mike Smith. Uh, the last time we had uh, live broadcast uh, with Mary Rampolini, we went to Delta Downs, and the, the big race there, uh, the million-dollar Delta Downs jackpot, uh, the winner was Exaggerator, who we uh, thought was the horse to beat, strictly off his class. Kent DeSormo in the saddle for his brother Keith, took the lead on the first, team, first turn and held on by a neck over Forevamo. And Forevamo, as we said, was pointed to this race. Al Stahl really had this son of Uncle Mo wound up. So that's going to be one you're going to want to watch. And uh, in the third spot was a son of Harlan's Holiday called Harlan Punch. So that big million-dollar race was on, on the tab. Uh, before I get to even more race results, a tip of the cap, Jerry Hollendorfer got his 7,000th win of his career. Again, the highs and lows of racing, he gets his 7,000 win, and then he loses uh, shared belief. 
Doug O'Neill notched his 2000th career win. On the good news side of things, California Chrome is breezing steadily at Los Al, so looking forward to his return. And uh, tonight's the night for the return of Turfway Park. They'll begin a four-month run, and um, most of the races will be run in the evening. So for those of you at the simulcasting centers, Friday and Saturday evenings, you'll be able to uh, uh, pick up the signal from northern Kentucky. Okay, some of the holiday weekend races. Uh, the, the Pizza Man won the Hollywood Turf Cup. Uh, awful good after his uh, coming out of the Breeders' Cup, and uh, he finished fifth in that Breeders' Cup race, but bounced back, paying $4.20. It was a stunner in the fall uh, highway, 24-1 to 1 Green Grotto got the job done at Aqueduct in that quarter-million-dollar race. Green Grotto, big upset. <clears throat> ah, chocolate was smooth <laughs> in the fall city, as they say. Uh, got the job done. That's a grade two race at Churchill Downs. Uh, so uh, a like shared belief and offspring of Candy Ride. Uh, in the River City down at Churchill, it was Heart to Heart who won the grade three turf race at Churchill Downs. Uh, Terrace, who uh, came off a third in the Twin Spires Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, went on to go clear in the go for Juan stakes. Now, the grade one Clark, that's the one we were really looking at, FNX got its grade one in the Clark, uh, held off opportunity. you got to remember FNX, who did he run second to a few weeks ago? None other than American Pharaoh. So it'll be very interesting. I believe he's going to be staying in training to get a chance to watch him. Now, opportunity is going to stay in training, and it looks like he's going to prepare for an assault on the Dubai World Cup. That seems to be uh, on his schedule uh, Bob Baffert said that that's his long-term goal for opportunity. Uh, so we look forward to seeing these horses do well as they get older, and I'm glad so many of them stay in training. And the new two-year-old to watch, Mo Heyman, easily took the ransom. Very impressive. As son of top sire Tappet, uh, Mo Heyman really looked good. He's got back-to-back Stakes wins, both of them graded, won the Nashua before the Remsen. So uh, we'll see how he's doing. We certainly know that uh, his sire Tappet is red hot. Well, speaking of sire lines, we're going to be talking to the man that uh, writes the breeding column for the Daily Racing Forum, none other than Joe Nevels, who's been with us on many occasions. So we uh, are going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking horse breeding with Joe Nevels from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Joe Nevels, a gentleman I've known for... Quite a few years now, even though he's a lot younger than me. Uh, I knew him when he was interning with the Thoroughbred Times, and uh, since then uh, we know that the, the, the Times has gone away, but the Daily Racing Forum recognized his talents and said, hey, Joe, come on over and help us out with our uh, breeding section that we're doing now. And uh, as a matter of fact, the now sales editor and breeding correspondent just won the second annual Ron Rippey Award for Handicapping Media with his Who is Bred for the Distance, and he got that award down in Lexington on Breeders' Cup Week. I was happy to be there, happy to shake his hand and congratulate him. With no further ado, Joe Nevels, how are you, my friend? Doing pretty good. Always a pleasure to be here. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you, you know. I remember you may still have the website, the, the Michigan Bread Claimer, but this is a great week in racing with, with, with the claiming crown. I'm sure you recall it. It's early days at Canterbury. Just kind of reflect right. a little bit on, on the claiming crown and, in my opinion, how important it is to racing. I mean, it, um, you know, it gives people that, you know, otherwise wouldn't have a target, you know, of a purse this big a chance to, you know, get their moment in the spotlight and run for something that, you know, can really, you know, change someone's life at that level. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's still races that are dominated by the Ken Ramsey of the world because they're, they're good at playing the claiming game. But, you know, it's just something that offers opportunity for, you know, people who might otherwise not get it. And, you know, I always, you know, I appreciate Gulfstream Park picking up the ball with it, but I always enjoyed seeing it at Canterbury. And, you know, that was sort of their special day is to, you know, yes. you know, Honor, honor the blue collar runners at a blue collar track and really wrap it all together. But you know you got to you know, run it where they're willing to run and have the money. And Gulfstream's done a fantastic job, you know, promoting it and getting it out there and recruiting people. So you know, the, it, the more people it can help, the better. And if that's at Gulfstream, then go for it. Well, you you briefly uh, alluded to uh, Ken and Sarah Ramsey, and of course their trainer Mike Maker, who uh, ma- mm-hmm. almost made a cottage industry yep. <laughs> claiming <laughs> crown in the last couple of years. Um, and again, you're going to see that with numerous. I think they might have as many as 14 horses entered in in the in the races. Wow. But I noticed too, <laughs> Joe. I don't know if you've looked at the PPs yet, but some other guys are going. Hey, wait a second, Mike Maker. Uh, there's one race that I'm going to be looking at with Bob Railbird, Rob. Later, that a half a dozen horses in that race were claimed out 
of either their last race or the race before. So I think I think a lot of the other guys are catching on to saying, hey, you know, I'm going to keep my eye out for a claimer, and uh, it's a sharp way to make some quick money fast. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I haven't gotten a chance to look at the PPs yet, but I've noticed, you know, just a trend of, you know, reading the racing form and people's, you know, prognostications on stuff is, you know, we claim this horse with the claiming crown in mind. And, you know, I think people are kind of looking at this as, you know, this horse kind of fits the conditions. I'll just sneak in and grab this one, you know, run in the Gulf Stream, and then we'll make our money and go from there. So, you know, it adds another dimension to the claiming game. Well, it, it is fun, and I'm sure you will get to the PPs. Uh, I've got too many of them in front of me right now, but it's fun to watch. Like, there's one trainer that claimed this horse like five races ago out of, I'll say, a $16,000 race, and he has since run the table with it. You know, and it's kind of neat to see the skills of a guy that said, you know, if this horse trained a little bit different or made had some different equipment, I think it'll be a whole new animal. It's just kind of neat to see guys like that. And he's not a big-name trainer. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. be able to ride. As a matter of fact, I believe his last two wins were in stakes races, and he took this yeah. horse out of a $16,000 race. It's neat to see. Yeah, that's a wild thing. Like every, you know, it seems like every year there's one or two graded stakes level runners that end up running in the, you know, the main races that, you know, a, a year ago or wherever the, like the cutoff was for being in a claiming condition, you know, they'll be in that claimer and then something will have, you know, the light bulb will have turned on and, you know, they'll be running grade one or grade three, grade two races and all of a sudden they're here and, you know, they're running against, you know, horses that are normally claimers and it's just an interesting dynamic because sometimes they succeed and sometimes they don't. Yeah, I, you see it all the time. Well, uh, by the way, you know, I, again, I want to congratulate you on uh, winning the Ron Rippey Award. Uh, Thank you. For, who's, who's bred for the distance? Was that was that a shocker when you got the phone call? Yeah, actually, um, Ed DeRosa with Brisbane that took me out to lunch to tell me that I won, and I'd entered two stories in that, uh, who's bred for the distance and my uh, haiku handicapper piece that I do for all the Triple Crown races in the Breeders' Cup. And when he told me that I won, he didn't tell me which story I won for at first. So for a split second, my mind was thinking, holy crap, the haiku handicapper finally pulled it off. You know, this is something I've been writing since college. It was, you know, very vindicating, something I've been working on. And then he told me it was the other story. But, hey, you know, winning's winning. So I'm, I'm excited and very, very honored. Uh, well, earlier uh, on the, in the show, I alluded to the uh, Stallion's Future Wager, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, what's your read on that? And, uh, gee, do you have the inside track as, as, as a uh, breeding writer to, to have a good feel for who might do well uh, siring a mile-and-a-quarter horse on the first Saturday in May? Well, I'd like to think so, but, you know, every once in a while there's a horse that seems to have no rights, you know, siring a horse that can get the classic distance and just... You know, the seas part, the stars align, and there's your horse that ends up doing it. Um, actually, a few of the Mark Simon and I at DRF Breeding were talking about this a couple days ago, and we thought it was kind of interesting that they have the future wager out before they've announced which horses are actually you know nominated for the Triple Crown. So you're really going into this thing blind with all, you know, however many thousand horses are, you know, running out there because you don't know which ones are going to have more bullets to fire at the triple crown and which ones are going to have you know two or three or you know it's so far out you don't really know which ones are you know sitting in a field somewhere waiting for their first start that's going to be running in the derby so it's really interesting and it's uh you know it's a it's a very bold prediction to make 
It is. It is. It, it's a crapshoot. I mean, if three years mm-hmm. ago I would have thrown the name Lucky Pulpit out there, oh, what kind of odds would you have set on that horse? That's he. He would have been in the. He would have been in the field and deep in the field, you know. And even when he, even when California Chrome was, you know, officially kind of pointed toward the Derby, you know, I do the average average site or progeny winning distance stuff, and he was last. Or if he wasn't last, he was near the bottom just because you know he's not known as a you know classic type sire. But you know, like I said, the seas parted, the stars aligned, and California Chrome became the dual classic winner. So you know, it's just it's it's really fascinating. Well, it will be interesting, but I, I think it's, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Now, recently, you know, they came out with the 2015 stats on mares and stallions. I was absolutely floored, Joe, at how many stallions covered over 100 mares. I couldn't count them, but I mean, mm-hmm. I know Uncle Joe, I mean, Uncle Mo, everybody's saying, you know, hey, he's a great juvenile sire. Well, in 2013, he covered 129 mares. In 2014, he carried 166, and listen to this. This year, he covered 221 mares. Let me just give you the top five. (laughs) Uncle Mo, 221. Scat Daddy, 217. Into Mischief, 210. Shanghai Bobby, 202. And Temple City, 199. Now, as you see this many stallions, you you know that, you know, the mare population is is limited, Um, I believe there were uh, 3,450. Um, is, this, is this starting to change the face of, of, of the, the breed, the fact that there's going to be well, so many by just these horses? Well, a couple things there. One, the top five stallions there are stood by farms that are very good at getting mares to their stallions. Um, Spendthrift Farm has a lot of incentive programs for breeders to, you know, obtain lifetime breeding rights if you, you know, enroll in their share the upside program, and that gets a ton of mares to stallions that, you know, might not otherwise, you know, they're not terribly sexy pedigree stallions or terribly sexy commercial stallions, but, you know, there's the chance that, you know, they're at a decent, they're priced well, and, you know, there's a chance you could get a long-term benefit if the horse ends up being something special, and Ashford, I don't know what they're secret sauce is that they've always traditionally gotten a ton of mares and their stallions. Um, but I think it's really reflective of what you're seeing in the auction market is that people are just really gravitating toward a certain sort of cream of the crop of stallions that, you know, are really what people want at the moment. You know, your Tappets, your, uh, you know, your Temple Cities, your um, Uncle Moe's, and just it's tough out there for a middle or lower level stallion to, you know, fill the book because everybody's going to, you know, the known name brands. Like, you know, Tappet's book was full before he even announced his stud fee this year. So it's just one of those things where people know what they want, they know what's going to make money, or they know what's going to run out on the track, and they're going to that. Well, I, I just hope of, of these stallions that covered over, you know, uh, Hundred mares each year. That there's enough. That there's enough blend to it. That we're not thinning out the the, the pedigree pages. That everybody's coming from the mm-hmm. AP Indy line. And, and and along that, I'm beginning to see some European influence. Uh, certainly, uh, Galileo's one that I'm starting to see is having sons mm-hmm. stand in. Uh, 
North America. Are you seeing a little bit more of that? That maybe remember back in the day when when uh, mm-hmm. you know Gainsway and uh, Claiborne and Spendthrift reached out to Europe and imported those stallions. Are you seeing any of that happening now? I mean, I'm seeing an interest in it, especially with the extremely sexy names, like you said, like the Galileos and such. But I'm just not sure if the American market wants that right now. You know, you go you go to the auctions and a horse that you know, ought to bring a certain amount of money doesn't because it's by Fastnet Rock or something like that. Um, you know, just I don't know where the market stands on that. You know, you look at a horse like Lonro, who was, you know, all everything in Australia. He was horse of the year. He's a leading sire. He comes up here and was very popular as stud, but his, you know, his foals weren't, you know, well as well received as I would have expected them to be. Um, you know, the same can be said about Fastnet Rock babies this year. Same can be said about the Frankel babies this year. There were four, three or four that sold at Keeneland this year, and they were all bought by international buyers, and the top one was, I think, 800000 I figured at least two or three of them would pop seven figures. So I just don't know if, the you know, the North American market's ready to accept them, if they don't really see that fitting into their program, that they think it's too turf-heavy. I'm not sure what the deal is, but I think there's still a long ways to go before they really sort of accept the international influences. You know, right now, you know, tap at Warfront, everything's pretty, you know, North American heavy right now. Now, on the converse, people know what they like. Well, on the converse, again, we're talking with uh, Joe Nevels of the Daily Daily Racing Forum, and. We've seen a lot of, I'll say, the China Club and, and other buyers. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing a more of an interest in the North American bloodlines going to other countries? Oh, absolutely. You know, Korea for the last, you know, five, six years has been a very active buyer and getting, you know, bigger before they were um, limited to, I'd want to say, like twenty-five dollars or $30,000 purchases. And now you're seeing them go for $50,000 yearlings and, you know, kind of building up a broodmare band, and they're making bigger stallion purchases. They purchased, you know, Hanson a few years ago. Um, you know, like you said, the China Horse Club is getting in at the top of the market. Uh, the Russians are always big. Um, you're seeing a lot of Central American and South American, you know, groups coming up and making a splash. Um, you know, China's kind of the, you know, the brass ring right now in terms of building up the market. I know Darley sent a few stallions out there, and everybody that I talked to says that, you know, China is going to be the next big emerging market. This is the one that it's a long-term project, but it's one that we really want to develop. So, you know, they're going to, I see them being a player in the next decade or so. And, you know, you have your traditional, you, your, the um, Japanese buy, they bought one of the Frankels at the September sale. They were, had a huge presence in the broodmare sales this year, as they always do. Um, they're probably doing a better job breeding American breads than the Americans are right now, quite frankly. Um, you know, and you have your usual European suspects, your Coolmores, your British type buyers, your French, and you know, it's, it's 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 becoming an increasingly global marketplace, and you're seeing North Americans start to spread out a little bit more. Um, you know, Spendthrift opened a farm in Australia. Uh, you're seeing Windstar going out to Japan and buying. You know, Empire Maker babies, and now Empire Maker is back in the U.S. Um, you're seeing a lot of people go over to the Tattersall sales in Europe and buying horses. So, you know, it's it goes both ways. But it's, you know, you're, de- you're definitely seeing international presence both, you know, here and abroad. 
Well, Joe, listen, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending time with us tonight. I know you've got a pizza in the oven that you need to get to, and I want that baby to burn. <laughs> Thanks again, and you know, when i got some breeding questions, I'll be ringing you up, my friend. I look forward to you. Thank you so much for having me on, John. Okay, we we're talking with Joe Nevels. Going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back, we're going to be talking with the Railbird. Bob Roberts, you're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with us now, uh, Bob Roberts, a longtime sports writer, a handicapper uh, for years. He uh, was with the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Uh, last season, he was covering uh, Mahoning Valley. We've had uh, Bob on a few times. He's no stranger to handicapping contests. So with no further ado, Bob Railbird Roberts, how you doing, my friend? John, I'm hanging in there. I didn't, I didn't make too many bets today, so I didn't lose. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm getting fired up for the weekend. Yeah, it, it's going to be a great weekend. You know, I threw this uh, question out to uh, Joe Nevels that we just had on, and I, and I will with you. Uh, don't you th- think it's great that the claiming crown has existed as long as it has and that it's just kind of a neat format? Yes. Um, in fact, I remember the uh, the first couple of years it was uh, like uh, – no, no, I was kind of confused. That was the Sunshine Millions when California went up against uh, Florida. But, no, I'm glad. The claiming crown is very good, but I'll tell you what, it's some of the toughest handicapping you'll ever have to do. I know. Uh, we might get a chance to get the three races tonight. I hope we can because the, yeah. the ones uh, in your backyard at Mahoning Valley look like there's uh, some horses that jump right off the paper. But, yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of neat because you've got so much going for you. You've got horses coming in from tracks all over the country. You've got horses that have recently been acquired by a new stable. Uh, right. Then, of course, uh, it seems like the biggest challenge is getting by the Ramses and Mike Maker, who have kind of made <laughs> this their own little, uh, you yeah. know, uh, ATM machine. They've won 14 races. They've combined to win 14 uh, claiming crown races over the years, Maker and Ramsey. Yeah, they're uh, 
They're a little tough, a little tough. Well, they got everything covered, that's why. But you know what's good about the claiming game, claiming crown, is it, it, it gives the little guys a shot to get in the spotlight. And uh, I've always been on the uh, TRA and the NTRA. You know, they always have the Eclipse award-winning jockeys at the Eclipse dinner. And it's usually the guy who, who, who makes the most money. But they never honor the guy that has the most wins. I think they should bring him to the banquet, too. You know, as an example, remember Deshaun Parker was champion back-to-back years. Absolutely. But, uh, and I did some research on that. He was the first black champion jockey in this country since the Civil War. And I don't think that kid ever got his just due. He should have been honored right alongside Castellano and, and Velasquez and anybody else in you know, the leading apprentice jockey. They should always bring the guy who wins the most races to that banquet. It's just, it's just fair. Yeah, I, I always thought Dale Baird should have been there. Yes, there's a, oh boy, there's another guy. You're right. You're right. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, it's, it's not easy to drag him over there every day, 300 days a year like those guys do. You know, so, yeah. No, I, and, and, and uh, oh, oh, along the lines of Deshaun Parker in his day, Dave Gall, and I would hope, I would hope someday a uh, guy I know you know, Perry Utes, would get recognized. That's right. Well, I, I tell you what, I did enjoy watching that, uh, that was it Iron Man? What they call that? That the special I saw. Iron Man, Perry Hughes. Yes, that was uh, well on AT and T Universe. If nobody's seen it, and I'm sure well, by I now you AT&T. can find That's it. That's why I got to see it. <laughs> it's been limited just to AT and T Universe. They should get that thing spread around a little bit, huh? Well, I do know this. You know, it was produced by the Hennigan brothers, who won the right. Eclipse Award three years ago for First Saturday in May. That was one of my right. favorite movies. And I really uh, well do done. a great job, and really I know well they have done. entered it for an Eclipse Award. So right. uh, that would just be great to have recognition for, oh. uh, uh, well, I, I guess I could say, a small-time rider. But he's the greatest rider nobody knows. I'm sure nobody knows that this guy is the le- 11th leading rider in the history of racing. And his name is yeah, Perry Oots, if you're listening out there. Oh, my God. I hate to say how far back I go with him to the old days at Beulah Park. My God. Late 60s, early 70s, watching him ride. We didn't get to see him ride in Cleveland too often, but he would come up to ride the old mare. Remember High Carol for Doug Dan? Yes. Yep. He'd ride her. There's a, come up there's ride a great her. story, and, it's, and it's, in that, it's in that documentary where he had broken his collarbone, but he was the only jockey that ever won on High Carol who won something like 17 stakes. And mm-hmm. the Danners wrapped him up in duct tape. He says, I can't ride. i got a broken collarbone. They said, look, all you've got to do is sit on her. They wrapped his shoulder <laughs> in duct tape, threw him up on the horse, and friggin' High Carol aired that day. No. They, had, they had to drag him off the, the, the saddle because he couldn't jump off. Uh, it's an ama- he's an amazing guy. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the Mr. Oots will be at the will be at Mahoning Valley to ride one of those stake races on Saturday. Yes, he will. And thanks for turning that corner because while I got you, I want to at least get, get these Mahoning Valley races in there. I know that there seems to be standouts. Um, right. in, in Bobby, Bobby Bricker, you may remember her from uh, right. all of her work with the Ohio State Racing State Commission. She's excellent. Right. And uh, this is her memorial handicap, seventy-five thousand. Not bad for for Buckeye breads. And really, you look at this piece, like, ah, you know, an Ohio bread. Well, you're looking at starting something that's won over half a million dollars. And right. uh, De Niro Saint, who looks to be the the standout in here, has won just about three hundred thousand. And maybe it's not so bad to own a little Ohio bread now. Well, I'd like to own one. I mean, I got uh, I've married off three daughters. I got to marry off one more. Then maybe I'll buy my first racehorse. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> I hope you do. Well, uh, in this race, it's it's a, a very very short field. It's basically mm-hmm. a replay of the Ohio debutante, and, and I have to admit, it's going to be awful tough, even with a three pound pickup, to beat De Niro's Sate. I know that the horse doesn't have any early speed. It drew the rail, but come on, we're talking a five-horse field. He circled the field and won easily last time. Uh, De Niro Saint uh, is going to be one you want to single if you're betting across the board there. Yeah, I would not try to get in her way. I'm starting something. The only problem is she hasn't won now. She's a champion, but she hasn't won for two years. I put her third. The one I put second is the one that chased home De Niro Saint last time, Sugar Marie. She finished third to her, so... She might move up a little bit, but I'm, yeah, as a better, uh, you better bet pick trees or something and just uh, single her. That's for sure. I'm going to concede that race to her. Absolutely. Well, okay, I, I want to move along because uh, the, the uh, claiming crown races are much more challenging than what we're going right. to see at Mahoning Valley. And, again, uh, this is the uh, Joshua Radosevich Memorial, of course, uh, one of Ohio's biggest tragedies when that up-and-coming 16-year-old jockey uh, died instantaneously in a spill uh, at uh, at Beulah Park. Uh, sad to say, his sister was actually ponying that day, and I do believe that his uh, dad uh, has a has a horse in this race. And like you said, Perry Utes, uh, the best rider nobody knows about, he's on one of the two solid horses in here. My partner. Cal, uh, that I got to watch easily win the loyalty stakes at Belterra Park, but uh, the guy who is just so red hot this year is trainer Tommy Drury, and with his two-year-olds, Bob, he's batting 44%. Hard to look That's at who I like, that. John. Got- I, I'm, gonna go, yeah, I'm going against my partner, Cal. I like the six-horse bull Johnny in there. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, he's ridden by by Johnny McKee. So he's you know, coming up. He, he's coming up to right. That's the uh, that's that's uh, Belford, the uh, Maccabee Farm guy that owns that horse. Bre- Bred him too, I think, didn't he? Yeah. You he remember did. what is that, that, is that uh, the name what of he his did farm for a while? Uh, Belford. He tried uh, Hall of Fame trainer Jack Vanberg for half a season at Thistledown about ten years ago. It didn't last long, but he tried. So this well, is one of his uh, better horses. Well, all I can say is that, uh, you know, Bold Johnny, uh, the way uh, Tommy Drury trains, a lot of people don't realize that Tommy Drury is one of those behind-the-scenes guys, and he, he, like, broke Hanson. He breaks horses for, for Asmussen and Mott. Wow. This is one, he's a really sharp guy, Bob. I've got to know him personally know over that. the years. And uh, as much as I really respect Larry Smith, and, of course, Scoot and Boot Periuch usually doesn't pay the gas money to go outside of the Cincinnati area unless he thinks he's <laughs> on a winner. He's going to be riding my partner, Cal. Uh, the thing here is he's turning back from a mile and a 16th. Right. Uh, where he did set and press most, most of the pace there, that looked like a pretty uh, hotly contested race. I don't know if you saw it or not up at Thistledown in the Juvenile. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was a good race. Uh, other horse you better watch out for is a guy that's really – put his mark on Mahoning Valley is trainer Bob Gorham. He's got yes. five horses in there, Magnum Mills. That's the only horse in the race with a win over the track, and I wouldn't discount that horse. And There's another, there's another talk about veteran jockeys like, ooh, how about Terry Houghton? There's another guy that's been banging away for many, many years. I love CD, man. People... People wrote him off years ago when he had that very serious head injury. He's come back right. to, to prove that he is, you know, a really uh, 
classic jockey. And yeah, Bob Gorham, this guy's something else. And he came down to Belterra a few times and killed him. And in this race, he is the hot trainer. I mean, the last seven days, he's had four wins from 13 starts. Hard to throw that yeah. out. And so, Bob, I have to agree with you. But to, to me, it yeah. looks like uh, I like Bold Johnny over Magnum Mills and my partner, Cal. I think they are the ones to beat. And uh, with All that, right. what do you say we go to break? Because we've got to come back to okay. fields that are just so full, I can't. I wait to find out who you like in the, our races in the claiming crown. So uh, give the producer it. a heads up. We're going to take just a little bit of an early break. When we come back, we're going to be talking Gulfstream Park with Bob Railbird Roberts. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, longtime sports writer, turf writer, handicapper, Bob Railbird Roberts. We're going to break down a couple of Gulfstream Park races. Now, I, I switched up on some of them because the word is, Bob, that it's been raining in Florida, and I'll, some of the turf races might come off, so I, I took races that were going to run on the main track. Uh, the seven furlong, the rapid transit. This is for horses that have started for a claiming price of 16000 or less. Since January 1st of 2004, you've got the, the DeFrancis Dash Bump rematch. Uh, by the way, the, these horses were, were so good. Uh, I'm talking about Stall Walk and Dude and Trouble Kid. They've actually bumped the DeFrancis Dash up to a grade three for next year. But once again, you've got to make her claim it's dangerous in there and newfound gold. I've set the table. Tell me who you like. Well, I went back and watched the DeFrancis. And I have, a, I have a trip note on a long shot in there, but I went and watched Trouble Kid's uh, troubled trip that he supposedly caused. Hey, it, it, it didn't look all that bad to me. I mean, I mean, they looked at it for a long time. They could have left it up, but they took the horse down. This horse, since they took the bandages off this horse, he's become a freak. He's won, what, five, you know, if you count the DQ, he's won five in a row, and he really won that uh, gamely. So I'm going to go back to the nine in there, Trouble Kid. 
I like them. Yeah, I like them. In I mean, class. to me, when look at looking at the, the races I've handicapped, this is the sharpest claim I've seen. Uh, yeah. Ramon Presadio, if I'm saying his name right, claimed this horse for fifteen thousand, brought him back to two twenty fives in allowance, and then wins a Grade Three with the horse, right. and again had a solid race in the DePrancis Dash, uh, even though they say that he crowded foes. Um, these are the guys we were just talking about. These are guys that deserve a friggin' trophy to right. take a fifteen thousand dollar horse and win a grade graded race with them. Now, one thing is, uh, this is good and bad. You see the horses work out on the twenty eighth. He worked five furlongs in fifty seven and four at Gulfstream. I hope I hope it didn't take it out of him. But he looks like he's going so good that maybe they needed to take some of the edge off of him. I don't know. He he does well, look good to me. The, ho- the horse I got the note on. Is uh is the six horse who's fifteen to one, Grivon or Grivion. Uh, I watched his last race. It was a monster win. He stalked and rallied three wide and and romped. He's won over this track three times. So I'm going to use this horse in in, uh, in my gimmicks for sure. Six horse. I like it. Well, again, I, the the credentials of Stallwalk and Dude. Uh, are hard to throw out is from the class edge. I mean, this horse right. raced in the Breeders' Cup Sprint, where he shuffled back, uh, ran in the Vosburg, and was only beaten a neck uh, by uh, Rockfall. I think came back and set a track record. Or uh, oh no, he was the one that uh, sadly broke down prepping for it, uh-huh. and uh, he was bumped repeatedly. They say in the more in the in the line. So certainly Javier Castellanos coming in uh, to ride for David Jacobson. Um, Definitely has to be considered one of the main contenders. Oh, and I, I put him third. I'm, I'm almost surprised. I got him third. I'm going to box those three horses. I'm almost surprised that he's as high as seven to two on the morning line. Because, well, I mean, Mike, the circuit that I bet you on, I bet like New York, Keeneland, uh, Belmont, Saratoga, and then back to Gulfstream. I just do that. I just bet this uh, cycle every year. This guy is one of the greatest jockeys I've ever seen in my life, Castellano. And he has to be the greatest grass rider I've ever seen. This guy has the... It's just amazing to watch him ride on the grass. I know this isn't a grass race, but to me, he's the greatest grass rider I've ever seen. They talk about uh, Fernando Toro in the old days in California, and used to say Samin on the green in New York. Ah, yes. Yeah, but for my money, this this guy, this guy could ride for my life on a grass race. He's that. He's just... He knows the position and the timing and... Uh, he just gets along with horses so well in the grass. Well, it's, it's going to be a very contentious race. And, of course, the horse we left out of the conversation was uh, Grande Shores, who coincidentally yeah. won this race last year off a of prep race at Gulfstream Park West. So I might want to keep an extra eye there. But I want to move along. We've got uh, so, so many solid races here. We'll move on to the ninth. Uh, now we're going to ratchet it back a furlong to six furlongs. It's, it's the claiming Crown Express for horses that uh, raced for a $7,500 or less tag in its lifetime. So a lot of things can change, as you know, over a couple of years. And uh, let's face it, the last year's winner, a lover, Bill, is in there um, who uh, is has won five of seven this year. He's the only starter, Bob, that's coming into this race, out of a stakes race, uh, I noticed a jock change to Jose Lescano. And also, when, when he comes back after a layoff, 
He is strong. I know that he hasn't won uh, his last two starts, both of them in stakes, though, unlike most of this field. He's the horse that I'm leaning to to, to here uh, in in this race. Let me get your read on the the Claiming Crown Express. Well, I'm hoping there's a scratch because I like the 15 horse in here. Chief's Fowl or Chief's Fowl. I've been watching all the... uh, since that's my circuit, I've been watching Gulfstream Park West, which is called there the last couple months, and I watched this horse's last win, and to me, it was a very fast race for the day compared to the other times, and uh, the, the, he just drew off with authority after having some early traffic, and as far as jockeys go, this kid here may be the, uh, the future superstar, uh, Edgar Zayas. Because uh, last year at the first part of the golf stream meet, he was given Castellano all he could handle on the dirt and on the grass. So I'm hoping I'm hoping the 15 horse draws in. If he doesn't, I kind of like the four horse, and I think that's uh, that's my man is on that horse, Castellano. A, a slan, uh, well, I got all these words I can't pronounce tonight. How do you pronounce <laughs> that horse? Slan Abhali, Mike Maker. So it's Maker and Ramsey, and if they're probably they're going to win something Saturday, it might be this one. Well, my guess, as usual, they'll probably win more than one. And, you know, he, he, he was able to, to grab this one from David Jacobson, who's a very good trainer, right. 23% on the year, and just really cranked it up last time. Keeneland ran away from the field at six furlongs. So, uh, yeah, hard to leave anything out that, 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 that yeah. Maker and, and the Ramses uh, are, are sending to post. So it'll be very interesting again. Good luck with getting Chepstow in here. Like I said, I some of these horses might not want to run on the off-going if it is that, Bob. Right. So you may You're get right. in. But uh, I'm going to stick with my lover, Bill. Uh, he uh, loves the distance, loves Gulfstream Park. He's the horse I'm going to be keying on top. Again, that's in the Claiming Crown Express. Now let's go to the big one. 200,000 for a horse that used to be a claimer, and it is the Claiming Crown Jewel. And I've got stars by at least four, possibly five horses in here. <laughs> I consider this the most wide-open race of the day. Uh, give me your feedback because, I, like I said, I could talk for uh, ten minutes on my picks. Well, I know a lot of people are going to go for Royal Posse. Uh, but uh, and uh, that's Castiano again. But you know, most of his success has been in the New York State Red races. So I don't know about that. And I tell you what, I wonder how they got this horse to Florida because this horse had a work at Aqueduct on Sunday. So I mean, I don't think they flew this horse to Florida. So this horse, and this horse probably uh, didn't get to Florida until like uh, yesterday or the day before. This he could be a little knocked out after a cut trip like that. Yeah, if you look at his he stays in the Northeast. Yes, right. I did notice that about him. I'm going for a long shot in here. I got the morning line on this race. I'm going for a 10-to-1 shot. I like the horse on the rail, Lieutenant Sini O. He's one of my claiming ground. This horse has been been claimed four times in his last seven races. Yeah, and you look at the the race he's coming out at, you know, there's a couple other horses that are in there with him, and... uh, Really like the way this horse uh, closed, and like you said, he's another one of the maker. You know, picks this horse has been claimed four times this year. Very, very dangerous. And he's uh, been down in Florida. He's 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 already he's had three workouts over the track at Gulfstream, including five eighths in a minute and four fifths. So he's he's accustomed to the track. And yeah, you're right. It's 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 Mike makes may not be Ramsey, but it's Maker. That's for sure. 
And, right. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a real bomber, look at this six horse, Aces for John. There's a play for you, Aces for John. This horse loves this racetrack. He's, he's run a golf stream 13 times with three wins, five seconds, and three thirds. He may not win, but he could be on the ticket. And they're putting a late parole on this horse. So I, I wouldn't throw him out either. And then I got to put Royal Posse in just because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to get this shut out on, on an exacta box if he gets there. But who do you like? Well, what's that? Who do you like in this race? Well, um, like I said, I, I'm going to have to do some huge stretch. I'll probably play a uh, uh, superfecta, you know, fifty cents, and to try to try to get the, these horses in there. I, I think, as you like Lieutenant uh, Shawnee O, then you got to like mm-hmm. Mr. Palmer. And again, I don't have any odds in front yeah. of me. And Joel yeah. Rosario is going to pick up the mount right there. That was a really game race the last time, and uh, where he finished just a, a neck ahead of Lieutenant Shawnee O. And then if you like those two horses, how do you leave out uh, Indicott, who went wire to wire at this mile and an eighth distance? I know. Uh, your horse, uh, your Mr. Palmer's 10-1. to 1. Indicott is 8-1. to 1. The morning line favorite is Royal, po- Royal Posse, but... Lukewarm at four to one. So I mean, these like these races, I think are going to get bet that way too. They're not going to be any overwhelming favorites in these races, unless Ramsey starts betting, and then he can pound something down to seven to five. But uh, I think it's pretty wide open. And if you're saying it's raining down there now, oh boy, that'll mess that, it up that, a little that's bit. What I, that's what I read. So we'll find out. Yeah. We've been talking with Bob Railbird Roberts, one of my favorite people, favorite handicappers, and uh, certainly I got your number, Bob. I'll be pestering you later in the year for another session here on Winning Ponies. Good luck Saturday, John. Good luck. All right, thanks a lot. Got a hunch, bet a bunch, overlooking the manicured turf course, past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.